Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be getting into the Mavericks 118-115 to double overtime victory versus the Los Angeles Lakers at Crypto.com Arena. The Mavericks were able to pull through late last night. Jaren and I had some issues in terms of when we were watching the game, so we weren't able to get the podcast out last night just due to how late the game was. But nonetheless, we were able to watch it, and we're doing it now, of course. And, you know, I guess before we go ahead and go to the ad break, brief summation of this game, right? Uh, this was a game that the Mavericks, with you know, Anthony Davis being out for the Lakers, uh, you could really see just how so, sort of devoid of offense this Lakers team is when they can't shoot. I mean, you know, you hear it on national television all the time, and we see all the news outlets talking about their egregious numbers in terms of, how many threes are missing every game, but getting to actually see it um, and, you know, watching it up front, um, you know, obviously we, we, we weren't there, but watching on TV, uh, you know, it's a whole different experience just in terms of how many threes are missing. I know we played them Christmas day, but they were actually able to get hot for a brief moment there in the first half and were able to make some threes. Uh, Lonnie Walker was still playing their leading three point uh, percentage player in that game, as was Austin Reeves, who I believe is number two. So, you know, they still had a little bit of shooting, but in a game like this, uh, they were just completely devoid of life outside of LeBron-generated offense, which was just bully ball getting to the rim or getting offensive rebounds and putting it back up. Yet the Mavericks still let them get back into the game, which was quite the disappointment. Uh, The Mavericks were essentially led completely by Luka Doncic's 35-point triple-double, including two step-back threes to first send the game to overtime, then to send the game to double double overtime. Uh, Luca definitely tapped into the clutch bag despite a very, very lackluster defensive night, to say the least, Um, as well as did Christian Wood, who had an outstanding defensive game against what most would probably label a pretty grim uh, Lakers big man rotation, especially with Anthony Davis out. But nonetheless, he pulled through and had a great game on uh, on the glass as well as defending and I mean his the dynamism with him and Luca and the pick and roll um, at times in that third quarter was on full display he had a great game Tim Hardaway Jr. and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie had a great game both you know respectively just shooting coming off the of screens and Spencer's case he did a much better job in this game of asserting himself and attacking um, but you know the Mavericks the reason that they fell short in this game and ended up being so close and you know while it was an impressive clutch time victory it definitely definitely wasn't a uh, impressive game by the Mavericks holistically. Uh, they definitely missed the mark against a very, very untalented Lakers team outside of LeBron James, um, who is um, a Lakers team that is missing, you know, just quite a bit. Uh, you know, they have really voids to fill at almost uh, every particular spot that an NBA basketball team could possibly kind of imagine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so it, from that perspective, um, it was not an impressive win by the Mavericks, and they let, let a lot of things slip defensively that we'll get into that uh, we're not impressed by any stretch of the imagination. But a win is a win, like we keep saying, and this Mavericks team continues their trend of getting bad 
but yet impressive clutch time victory wins. What was your brief reaction to the game, Jaren, before we hit to the ad break? Yeah, I mean, it was a hard-fought battle. Uh, you know, a lot of players are going at it. Luca got hit in the face multiple times and kicked in the body. Same with Christian Woods, same with LeBron. He got tripped uh, by Russell, Russell Westbrook twice. Yeah, Russell Westbrook twice. Uh, I mean, it was just, you know, a hard-fought game. Uh, really physical down low. Dwight Powell, uh, Christian Wood, I felt like that was a pretty good little duo that kept going on. Uh, offensively, at least, this might be, like, the first showcase of them actually, like, showing some sort of offensive life. Um, this is the first time that, I mean, they they've – when they play them together offensively, it, it sometimes is counterintuitive to because, um, you know, yeah. you're taking away one of the guys rolling at the threats and, you know, kind of uh, sacrificing, uh, you know, the uh, on-court uh, spatial parity and all that sort of stuff. But this was one of the first games that, you know, I think we can say like definitively, like offensively when they did that, it was actually a good move by Jason Kidd. No, for sure. Um, I mean, outside of that, you know, offensively, he had five blocks uh, and, like, three clutch blocks uh, on Westbrook and LeBron, that being. And, I mean, the Lakers squad, yes, the, very depleted. But, you know, I, again, I mean, as you alluded to, a win's a win. Uh, the Mavericks pull this one out. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was a double overtime, little crunch time victory, uh, which I don't think we've seen this Mavericks team in a double overtime game yet this season. Exactly. And um, it was nice for the Mavericks to be able to – go neck and neck amidst all those overtimes, all their starters having to play heavy minutes, especially, you know, with Josh Green still out, with Dorian Finney-Smith, with Maxie still out. Josh Green may return on Saturday, which is um, intriguing, so we're going to continue to monitor his progress. He progressed recently in scrimmages to being able to play full five-on-five basketball, so his return is on the horizon. I believe he was listed as questionable in this Lakers game, so could see him as soon as Saturday. That's intriguing. I think Dorian still is a little, away, a little ways to go, but – those guys are on the return for the Mavericks and they're sorely needed as the Mavericks are expelling their starters heavy minutes right now with essentially no rotational depth. Uh, but nonetheless, we're going to go ahead and get into this game and this clutch overtime or double overtime victory by the Mavericks. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor anchor. All right, Jaron. So getting into it, the Mavericks came out really hot um, out of the gates in that first quarter. We saw uh, Luca very like just nonchalantly being able to get to the rim. He sustained a rib injury uh, after getting hit early on in that. Um, well, maybe not early on, but it was like midway. If there's a tail into that first quarter, could have even been the second quarter. I, my memory is kind of failing me right now. But despite that, throughout most of the first half, um, he was just manipulating this very weak Lakers defense in um, a variety of ways, um, whether they. Um, you know, particularly in that first half, they deferred to playing drop coverage on him a lot of the time. And, you know, as soon as one of the guys went over on the screen, uh, Luca, you know, he'd obviously drive and get him behind him and just uh, kind of, you know, use that um, kind of little, little hesitation and little slow, nonchalant little waltz that he does uh, when he gets a guy behind him where he kind of, you know, changes his speed and his pacing up a variety of times. Uh, depending on the scenario to where he then, you know, defers to kicking it back out or passing it to Christian Wood or Dwight Powell in the dunker spot or just, you know, flipping that little floater up or on occasion um, when he's really able to fake out the defense, uh, like we saw in one possession, he was literally able to just go right to the rim and dunk it. Um, I mean, he barely got up because anytime Luke is slightly hampered by any sort of injury, even if it's his ribs, he can't jump. Um, I know that that actually kind of does affect jumping, but it's funny because like he has like a finger injury. He, uh, the, um, it seems as if like oh like 
that just takes like away all of his athleticism. But nonetheless, uh, he was getting to the rim with relative ease in that first half. And the Lakers, uh, with of course, they're just lack of any sort of defensive presence outside of Anthony Davis, who wasn't playing and one of their better wing defenders and Lonnie Walker wasn't playing. Of course, you know, looking at that lineup, like the only real guys that are competent defenders that were getting significant minutes for them tonight were Juan Toscano Anderson and Troy Brown Jr. And, you know, these are solid, you know, above average defenders, of course, but they're, they're not stopping Luca, especially when the second guy in the equation is a Thomas Bryant or a Winyan Gabriel, you know, uh, Winyan Gabriel, of course, is a guy who can be a good weak side shot blocker at times, but he still has a lot of ways to go developmentally just in terms of honing down on his timing and honing down on his, you know, verticality and not fouling, things of that nature. Like, he, he's nowhere near a complete player in that aspect. And Luca took advantage of their naivety, uh, in those two guys in the pick and roll. Well, whenever Bryant or Gabriel were put in those drop coverage scenarios, they would not play up on Luca. Uh, even when he was able to get to the um, point of attack where he was able to shoot or, you know, make a move, uh, they, they seemingly kind of just fell back into the paint. And, you know, obviously that that much is a coaching thing from Darvin Ham, but um, they they almost seemed like they were like negligent to come up. And he was really just having his way with them in the first half. And, you know, the Mavericks scored 36 in that first quarter. The Lakers only had 22. The Lakers were able to rebound to an extent in that second, second quarter, uh, just basically virtue of, LeBron bulldozing his way past the also very brittle Mavericks defense, who, uh, of course, outside of Reggie Bullock was um, essentially is subjected to having no real wing defenders on the floor. Um, Russell Westbrook started getting hot at points and the Mavericks defense was just very like was seemingly just really lazy from from the top down, starting with Luca, um, who after that rib injury, that rib injury was like noticeably uh, hampered and um, you know I, I get he was hurt a little bit but it was just a complete non-effort on his part defensively letting you know in those Westbrook matchups despite him having to play back the Mavericks deferred to playing back on Russell Westbrook and conceding the jump shot to him which you know played to their benefit quite a bit but they played back to a degree that they were still letting him blow past them despite them playing back and like they weren't even bringing help defense or anything and that's how, how the Lakers were kind of able to get back in the game there in that second quarter where they scored 26 and the Mavericks only scored 23. Um, basically just virtue of Westbrook attacking Doncic um, or whoever for that matter when he really started cooking uh, and LeBron tapping into his bag and, you know, affecting the game at all three levels by getting to the rim and trying to um, facilitate. And, you know, obviously he doesn't have the same ripple effects that Luka has just because the Lakers are so hard pressed to be able to make any sort of shots, but, you know, LeBron was doing a good job getting into the lane and getting it to Thomas Bryant in the short roll or Gabriel in the dunker spot for, you know, they had 11 and 14 points respectively. So the Lakers were able to get back into the game a little there in that um, second quarter and the Mavericks um, were hard pressed to really be able to counter in terms of uh, their offense, you know, when Luca got hurt, it just seemed like everything kind of stagnated out for a little bit there. And they were, their defense was basically a shell of what it was as it uh, what it once was previously in the season, as we've seen from this team really over this last, you know, 10 to 15 game stretch where there are periods where, you know, if they have one bad defensive position, a whole stretch of bad defense basically ensues. And that's seem, that's seemingly what happened in that uh, second quarter there. What did you think of the first half? Um, just the Mavericks, you know, scorching hot start where Luca was basically getting whatever he wanted. 
and then their um, downwind in that second quarter um, where they were playing, where they were conceding a lot of open layups or layups with little resistance to the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, the, the Mavericks, you know, in that first quarter, they did a really good job of what basically everything that you said, uh, Luca was really firing on, a, on attacking the paint. Uh, you know, that back line is just so depleted for the Lakers and Luca was seemingly able just to, I mean, get in there with ease. I mean, there was really nothing that, that anything could do that the uh, Lakers could do with stopping it. Uh, whether it was Juan Toscano Anderson, who might be like their best defender in that starting five, uh, Max Christie or Wynion Gabriel, nobody could really, you know, just put a hand up in front of Luca's face. And he was able to, I think he had like 13 or 14 first quarter points. Um, it wasn't until Luca had that rib injury that it kind of just seemed like the whole Mavericks team fell apart uh, defensively and offensively. And that's whenever the Lakers were starting to get back in this game. Um, but yeah, I mean, just defensively, the Lakers, uh, it was really LeBron James bully ball at the point of attack. Um, but even still, you know, whenever they were playing drop coverage on Westbrook or pretty much the whole team for that matter, uh, they were easily just able to blow past the Mavericks, uh, get an easy two. And we even saw at times wide open threes. And I know this Los Angeles Lakers team isn't very good at shooting three pointers. Um, but I mean, even still, it's an NBA team. I feel like you have to at least give a little effort whenever closing out on a three point shot and there was multiple times that we just didn't even see any effort. Guys were just walking out to Westbrook or whoever it was. Uh, I want to say Westbrook went like three for six from three uh, in this matchup. He, yeah, he three for six. Yeah, three for six from three in this matchup. Uh, and for a guy that's, I mean, shooting a pretty low, I, I, I think he's in the 20s in terms of three-point percentage this season. Uh, I mean, that's just unacceptable. But nonetheless, you know, the Mavericks did claw, or I guess the Lakers did claw their way back uh, in this game. And in large part to, you know, the Mavericks just playing poor defense. Uh, that first quarter, I think the Mavericks were just really preemptive at the point of attack. Um, you know, offense correlates into defense for this team. And that's what happened in the first quarter. And then the second quarter, like I said, you know, it kind of seemed like the second that Luca got hit in the ribs, uh, the whole team just sort of fell apart. And um, the Lakers, even though they only scored 26 points, it was honestly a pretty easy 26 points. No, 100 percent. And. You know, strategically, you can see, of course, why the Mavericks would defer to Westbrook shooting versus attacking. Like, that does make a lot of sense. But if you're going to play that and you're going to hold a guy back, then you better make sure that, you know, your defensive rotations in terms of the rest of the team, um, whoever's not manned up on Westbrook, are very crisp. And um, guys are out getting to shooters fast. Because, I mean, that's to an extent, like, one extra guy that you can um, throw at somebody in a rotation or send out to a shooter who catches a pass if need be, um, you know, whoever's guarding up on Westbrook, because um, especially if you get late in the shot clock there and he doesn't have time to get the ball back or cut or anything like that, of course, and it may not be as applicable earlier in the shot clock, but I mean, they, you, you kind of have the upside there. It's not necessarily a five on four, but it's kind of like a four and a half on four uh, just be, because of Westbrook's limitations shooting the ball. And yet the Mavericks still were very late on rotations or very lazily closing out on shooters Outside of Christian Wood, who I thought, you know, he played a much better defensive second half, but he played a pretty solid defensive first half in terms of, um, you know, just sticking back there as a paint protector, uh, barring, you know, when LeBron would come downhill. There's, you know, it's really not like anybody can stop him. But, you know, outside of that, he was doing a really good job protecting the paint against, you know, the Schroeders and the, you know, Max Christie's of the world whenever they would drive. Wood stayed home despite – Mavericks defenders getting beat off of by single dribble blow buys and things of that nature. 
and did a pretty good job. But I mean, uh, basically everybody in the starting lineup outside of him, uh, you know, even when Dwight Powell, who wasn't, who didn't start in this game, even when he was playing and, you know, was forced to uh, guard at the point of attack, of course, like, you know, he was bad as well. Um, Frank did a pretty decent job as per usual. Even he had a few slip ups that were kind of uncharacteristic. Yeah. Um, Hardy kind of the same way as Frank. And the Mavericks uh, seemingly had a bad defensive game, in my opinion, for really everybody on the team tonight, really outside of Christian Wood. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr., per usual, was getting lost a countless amount of times on rotations. You know, just like we say on this podcast every day, just the complete inability to close out on shooters as he's getting stuck behind down screens and he's just not really cognizant of where he is on the floor. I think Tim's main defensive mishap is essentially his like awareness. Like, yes, he's athletically like, you know, he doesn't have the longest wingspan and he, it's not like he's able to stick with a lot of these guys, but he's just, he gets lost so much of the time. And that's honestly like the most annoying part. Reggie Bullock, he had actually a couple decent defensive possessions in that first half, but his defense tailored way off towards the end of the game. And uh, we really started to see him get beat and let guys get to their spot. Spencer Dinwiddie had a pretty rough go at it defensively. He did have a nice uh, come from behind block on LeBron at one point when he wasn't looking. Um, but nonetheless, he he too was getting blown by uh, quite a bit. But I would say that he's probably the second best defender in this game outside of Christian Wood. Yeah. Very, um, I, I think that's kind of a very big like state of the team um, statement right there. Um, for Spencer Dinwiddie to be the second best defender in this game. But, uh, you know, Luca, I think this was honestly like one of his more atrocious games defensively of the season where he basically was conceding any and everything, was letting any guy shoot if they wanted to, regardless of who it was, was letting anybody get to the basket at will. You know, he would almost, you know, barely flash his hands and then kind of just let a guy blow past him. Uh, I mean, we already know about Davis. I won't even get into that because that's just, um, I mean, Davis Bertans, <laughs> I mean, I say this knowing that I probably couldn't, but like, I, I legitimately do think I might be able to score on him once or twice in a one-on-one game of 21. If, if I got the opportunity to get the ball and he wasn't just raining threes on me, like I, I despite the length, like, I mean, I, I feel like I could catch him at least once or twice just from the fact that he never even gets down to a stance. Um, his defensive effort tonight was horrendous. Um, you know, Dwight Powell, he put forth as much effort as he could per usual, but still has his obvious shortcomings. And Hardy and Nitlikina didn't really get enough minutes to affect the game on that side of the ball. So the Mavericks, you know, as we've just said throughout this stretch, the Mavericks are so limited personnel-wise, there's not really many more takeaways throughout this stretch in terms of how the Mavericks are playing defensively, other than they don't have the personnel to be able to stick with these teams, especially in a game where every single starter played 47 minutes or longer. These guys are obviously going to get tired and winded. The fact that Christian Wood hasn't had as impressive of a game as he did um, was wildly, you know, commendable in itself. And, you know, something that I obviously amidst the shortcomings of the Lakers big men and their whole situation over there with Anthony Davis injured, you definitely kind of projected that Christian Wood might have a sort of not coming out game because he's been playing well recently, but you definitely expected him to, come and establish his presence on the inside in this game. He did so on both sides of the ball. But outside of that, the Mavericks seemingly 
uh, were conceding Russell Westbrook and LeBron James drives almost all game. And that definitely hurt them, uh, especially as the Lakers continued to win both the third and fourth quarter. And the Mavericks slowly saw their lead or their 14 point lead that they ended the first quarter with uh, fade away to the point where the game was tied after the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, I, I think to an extent, like that's the story of the game. Uh, yeah. If we're um, sort of condensing it, of course, we're going to get more into how the, everybody played offensively in this game. Once we sort of recircle back to, you know, everybody played individually, of course, but like the Mavericks um, basically relying and having to ride on the coattails of Christian Wood uh, for all of their defensive shortcomings was what led to this game going to uh, overtime and then subsequently double overtime. Nonetheless, though, the Mavericks obviously um, were able to clutch up in at the end of regulation and overtime, despite looking at uh, many periods of time in this game, like they were going to really blow it and drop this game. How are the Mavericks able, let's start with the end of the fourth quarter, Jaron. How are the Mavericks able to clutch up at the end of the fourth quarter, talk about Lucas step back three and, and just give us kind of a, give us kind of a breakdown um, just in terms of those possessions leading up to the, uh, that last minute of the fourth quarter that the Mavericks were able to push the game into overtime. Yeah. I mean, the Mavericks in all fairness, I, I'm not going to like, that's the kind of game that the Mavericks would lose. Uh, being down three with like two minutes left, that's sort of the game, you know, where the Mavericks just sort of tap out uh, and let the Lakers run away with this one. But needless to say, that they clawed back in their uh, clawed back into the game. And um, I mean, in large part, it was kind of just stupid shots taken by the Lakers, but the defense, you know, sort of came alive and solely due to pretty much just Christian Wood. Um, he was able to lock down the, the paint. Uh, of course, I think like majority of his five blocks came within like the final two minutes of the game. Um, but he was able to lock down the paint whenever the Lakers, you know, pretty much all of their offense came via drives, whether it's LeBron or Russell Westbrook. Uh, so, you know, they had to defer the three point line. And I know Troy Brown, Troy Brown Jr. hit a shot or maybe two. Uh, Westbrook got a shot. Um, but Kendrick other than Nunn that, you know, I, what was it? Kendrick Nunn made a few in that fourth quarter. I don't yeah, know Kendrick if Nunn late. made a few. Uh, we even saw Winion Gabriel through, which I'm totally okay with. I'll let him shoot that. I think team. that was an overtime, I believe. Right? Was it an overtime? I don't know. I don't it was either that. an overtime at the end of the fourth quarter where uh, LeBron bounced it back out to that uh, that weak side corner. And, I, yeah. I, you know, he took two threes in this game. I didn't even know he had that shot in his repertoire, admittedly, and made one of them. So more power to him. I thought he played as good of a game as he could have. No, he, he really did. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I just think the Lakers you know, sort of settled uh, as the two minutes ticked on by, but the Mavericks offensively, I mean, they were just able to not, not get in their bag, but Luca was able to get in his bag. I think um, I'm not sure what he was at before like clutch time in the fourth quarter, but he was able to just hone in and become Luka Doncic again. And he was able to hit step back three after step back three. That's usually a shot that Luca settles for, but this was one where he was sort of attacking the three point line, knowing that, you know, he was shooting at such a good clip the last few days uh, and all power to him. I mean, he was able to hit them. I, you know, just knowing what I've seen out of Luca this season, you know, he's not shot the the best clip from three um, through at least the clutch. And he was able to knock down like two really clutch shots, one in overtime and then one to send the ball or send the game into overtime with like six seconds off on the clock. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was honestly, he just did it with ease. He didn't even look like he was trying. Um, and I mean, that's, that's sort of what his step back repertoire is, is whenever he's settling, he goes to it and 
all power to him because he can make it. But uh, yeah, I mean, the Mavericks, whether it was, you know, Chris Wood inside the paint. Um, I know Dwight Powell in the dunker spot a few times. They were able to get some clutch baskets. Uh, Christian Wood and Luca were able to connect on the pick and roll uh, quite a bit in that end of that fourth quarter where Christian Wood like caught a crazy lob pass. It seemed like it was like three feet away from the basket and he just somehow put it in. And that's the Christian Wood effect. He can just pretty much catch anything anywhere. Uh, Tim, I want to say he had a clutch three in that fourth quarter scenario. Uh, and then Spencer, I mean, in large part, you know, he kind of turned on during the overtime effect or overtime period. Uh, but Spencer, you know, started actually playing aggressive. And this is something that we've not seen the past few weeks. Uh, he had a stupid three, but I think it was in the third quarter where he just got the ball with like a late shot clock scenario and then did a step back three in the very like corner um, of like the, the whole entire court uh, and somehow got up and went in. Uh, but, you know, the Mavericks, they just did a good job of, uh, you know, I guess dictating inside and letting Luka Doncic be Luka. No, 100%. And I mean, the, the Mavericks offense definitely increased in production in the latter half of that fourth quarter and in overtime. Yeah. Hence why they were able to um, ride the pine to a victory there. Um, you know, I definitely wanted to recycle to that offense, like we had mentioned, and talk about the uh, – there was a couple possessions there because uh, the Lakers continually blitzed the Mavericks after in the first half. They obviously conceded and, you know, kind of let Luka drive and play drop coverage. They were very adamant upon trying to get the ball out of his hands, to which he made the right read almost every time. I mean, they, they just don't have a lot of defensive versatility to be able to throw out there to guard him, uh, whether they go to whatever strategy. I mean, Luca was able to figure it out fairly easily just because of the Lakers' lack of perimeter defense. But he was able to hit uh, Christian Wood in the short roll, particularly um, like two possessions there in the fourth quarter that were really key where Christian Wood then was able to dump it off to Dwight Powell in the dunker spot for two easy layups. Those were uh, two of the most important plays in the game in terms of regenerating some momentum for the Mavericks as the lead was slipping heavily. The Lakers were able to get up by as many as I believe six in that fourth quarter, around like three or four minutes left. And then uh, the game definitely kind of stagnated. Um, oh, I was reading that the complete opposite. The Lakers were, um, you know, they, they slowly, they only got up by uh, two at one point, but um, it was a very like one of those sort of like slow killer D wines. I don't know why I thought that they had that big of a lead, but I was reading the you know play by play here and it said 95-89, but I totally missed that the Mavericks had 95. But nonetheless, it, it, it definitely at times felt like they had like a lead of six because the momentum fully swung in their direction towards the end of that game, um, where they kind of just kept taking bites at the apple and the Mavericks offense. Um, you know, while they hit it, the the process had been relatively good um throughout that third quarter. Um, you know, the Mavericks didn't look terrible, um, even in that second quarter. I mean, most of that fourth quarter, the Mavericks looked uh, very bleak in terms of their offensive production towards the very end. And the Lakers, like I said, just kept taking, um, you know, little bites at the apple. Uh, LeBron James got a, a tip in layup um, at the 327 mark of the fourth quarter that made the game 95 to 91. Then the Mavericks um, let Russell Westbrook shoot a three. On the ensuing possession, right after that, after a Dwight Powell, or after the Mavericks had a shot clock turnover, to, I think that that was uh, the uh, Dinwiddie possession that you referenced, where he sh got the ball in the corner and essentially had nothing to do with very yeah. little time and took a terrible three. Um, so then, you know, Westbrook makes a three, which the Mavericks completely conceded to him. Then, um, 
right after that, Luca has a pass to Dwight Powell with about two minutes and 16 seconds left. That was one of the most insane passes I was watching. I don't know if it was just because of the vantage point. Maybe it wasn't as cool as it seemed, but I mean, it, it was amidst like a conglomerate of three yellow jerseys. Um, I think the Lakers were yelling, wearing yellow right last yeah, night. They, they were. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, in the paint, of course. And Luca just seemingly floats it up in the perfect spots where it goes past all these arms and leads Dwight Powell to a wide open layup. And the Mavericks at that point are up three. Then out of nowhere, just complete ultimate. Um, basically, um, of course, this happens to the Mavericks type deal. I don't know how else to describe it without um, using curse words. Uh, but the LeBron uh, is able to, you know, get inside the paint and, you know, as he always does, even knowing that he has nobody on this roster that can shoot just due to the fact that he essentially has no other options. And this is how he's played stylistically his whole career. Dishes it out to Winyan Gabriel in the corner and out of all people nails a three. It's a tie game. Then the uh, ensuing possession, Tim Hardaway Jr. gets called for an offensive foul. I do want to make a point of the refereeing in this game after I get to the, um, you know, the whole overtime deal um, as we wrap up this summation of the fourth quarter real quick. But after that, uh, Dennis Schroeder is able to get to the rim for a layup with one minute and 31 seconds left, just little to no resistance. Uh, then Christian Woods able to get to the line and he makes one out of two. The Mavericks are down by one at this point. The whole late game scenario to an extent was a blur, like to a little extent because I was very locked in. I, I started more so looking at it from a fan perspective. I'm like, oh, are the Mavericks actually going to blow this versus um, really tapping into the analytical side of it? Um, but nonetheless, uh, rehashing this, it, it definitely shows how much the Mavericks were just collapsing um, versus like when I was watching the game in real time, it almost seemed as if like, oh, you know, they're, they're just kind of having some unlucky plays here. Um, but even just reading like the play-by-play here, like, it it definitely rubs you the wrong way in terms of how the Mavericks are just unable to close out games. But of course, you know, we'll get into why Luka Doncic, uh, the Mavericks did a much better job in overtime and double overtime, of course, but we'll get into like why Luka Doncic was the saving grace late in these games and why the Mavericks actually pulled through with some, with the clutch time victory here. Um, but, you know, amidst a flurry of substitution of substitutions, um, the, Mavericks um, end up fouling Russell Westbrook with about 11.1 seconds left after um, Tim Hardaway Jr. misses a three to try and go ahead in the game. The Lakers took a lot of time off the clock. There's a big review. They're trying to figure out who is shooting the free throws between, um, I believe it was Russell Westbrook and Schroeder. And Schroeder yeah, I thought it was Schroeder. I just want to confirm. Um, but Jason Kidd, out of all people, challenges and the um, decision is essentially that even though the uh, the replay supports the call that was initially called in terms of there being a foul, because Jason Kidd could only challenge a foul, st- they still are required to review who the foul is on. And um, hence, Russell Westbrook uh, was actually the one who was fouled. Nonetheless, it ends up not mattering because he makes both free throws. Mavericks call a timeout. They're down three with 11.1 seconds left. It's their last timeout. And um, in typical Luka Doncic fashion, uh, for the really the first time this year, amidst him missing a lot of these step backs, hit two of them tonight. Uh, but he comes in. Lakers don't choose to t- do a to exercise their take foul or anything like that. Or um, I, even if they didn't have a take foul, they decide not to foul at three. And I think uh, Winning Gabriel is guarding 
Luca, if I recall, um, it may have been Troy Brown Jr. I can't remember. I think it was exactly. Troy Brown. Yeah, um, Luca. You know, uh, he doesn't even really do the the step back with the between the legs. I mean, he just gives a kind of a hard jab and then steps back and and drains it with six seconds left. Great moment, Mavericks are uh, you know got a tie ball game here. Uh, the Lakers end up finding Troy Brown Jr. for a three pointer that was very controversial in nature. Uh, it was off a of LeBron pass, and you know Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to close out on the wing in real time. Me and Jaron were watching this game together, and Jaron was like very ecstatic. He's like, "Oh wow!" Like Tim Hardaway Jr. just stepped up, and made the best defensive play of his life. We thought he had blocked Troy Brown Jr. and the Mavericks. You know had like a very decisive, great last two possessions to close out to this game. Um, and even in like after the fact, after we even like saw the replays, we're like, yeah, like Tim fouled him, but it was still a great defensive play. Um, but now like looking at the replay, like a day <laughs> forward and everything, I think it's like pretty clear that it was a very blatant miscall. It was a very um, good miscall, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. And um, so the Mavericks definitely uh, kind of were able to, survive a very um a very uh sort of a teeter-totting decision there by the referees who um just yeah. decided to not blow the whistle and held their water for whatever reason and the game luckily goes to overtime uh jaron this was a very up and down game of course and there was a lot of bad refereeing first of all you know we're me and you are both not ones to blame the refs for any games unless there is seriously just some, um, you know, peak NBA, like fixing antics or something of that nature happening. I, I don't know if that was the case in this game. I just thought it was a very, you know, it seemed like it was a new crew. I, I could just be speaking. I, I don't know for sure if they were, um, but I hadn't really seen those guys before. And they, they just in terms of both sides of the ball, it wasn't very one-sided. It was very wishy-washy in terms of how they refereed the Mavericks and the the Lakers, they were very adamant upon like certain things in terms of calling travels and, um, you know, carries and things like that, but were very uh, free flowing in terms of letting a ton of fouls go and let a lot of things slide. And they just, they definitely had their, their mishaps and shortcomings in this game. What did you come to surmise out of the Lakers refereeing? I mean, or just the, the refereeing in general in this game, and how were the Mavericks able to survive it amidst uh, sort of the uh, luck that they got late in the game? Yeah, I mean, I think it is safe to say that on both sides of the ball, it was definitely a not the best of, um, I guess, showcase by the referees. Uh, there was a few missed calls on the Mavericks side, a few, a lot of missed calls on the Lakers side. Uh, of course, that uh, Troy Brown Jr. foul, that, or it should have been a foul on Tim Hardaway, uh, that one definitely sticks out the most, but just throughout the whole game. Uh, but, I mean, nonetheless, you know, the Mavericks were able to get lucky on a few foul calls and same with the Lakers. Um, at the end of the day, uh, I you know, I felt like it, was, it wasn't called fairly, of course, but in terms of, you know, foul calls being on both squads, uh, it was stupid foul on the Mavericks and stupid foul on the Lakers. So in that sense, I think it was a fair game. Uh, but, yeah, it was definitely, you know, wishy-washy and very non-consistent in what they called. Uh, and which is really just unfortunate, but needless to say, you know, I had never seen that officiating crew again, or I'd never seen that officiating crew before. Uh, and I mean, to be on a TNT game in a, in Los Angeles, I mean, that's a pretty big stage. I don't know why they put, uh, to me, they looked like a new crew. Uh, they definitely acted like a new crew. So I don't know why that was the case, but 
I mean, nonetheless, you know, it just kind of seemed like as overtime ticked on by and as the fourth quarter ticked on by, um, this was one where the, the refs were just like non, they just refused to blow the whistle and it got really physical uh, between Westbrook and Luca, uh, and which resulted in Westbrook getting a flagrant one. And to me, that is a pretty obvious flagrant one because uh, he just, I get he was trying to get skinny for the screen. Um, but I mean, it was pretty stupid. He just like bulldozed into Luca twice. Uh, one of them was on a like rebound play in which, I mean, Westbrook, I don't know if he tripped or what, but he just ran into the back of Luca uh, whenever the ball's being taken out. And I mean, it, it was super late off after the play and it just kind of looked a little dirty to me. Uh, but I think, you know, looking back on it, I did, it wasn't as quick as I uh, thought it was. So it actually like didn't really look too bad. But needless to say, they definitely didn't blow the whistle. Um, and like I said before, I think it was fairly called on both sides, but it was just, it was just a bad refereed game in my opinion. No, 100%. It was definitely um, very fluctuating in terms of what was being called and what wasn't. Um, to your point about that overtime period, obviously it got very physical uh, when we you talk about Westbrook ramming into Luca twice. Uh, one of those, you know, under the basket. One of those when Luca was bringing the ball up the court and they almost seemed to get into an argument, but, you know, they're both Jordan brand guys. For whatever uh, reason, the situation was uh, – quickly reconciled and Westbrook went and dapped up Luca. Like it, they almost seemed like they were about to get into like a big fight. Like they seemed heated and then every attention just completely stopped. All of a sudden, I don't know what was said exactly, but you know, I, good that Luca didn't pick up a tech is uh, my main summation of that scenario. Jason Kidd came in uh, running in like, uh, you know, Jason Kidd, um, me and Jaron kind of have an ongoing joke he, with his, with his new glasses. He kind of looks like this one guy, a uh, few guys, have seen the show master chef um oh, yeah. he looks like oh what's the guy's name uh, i gotta search it up um, I, I don't know the i don't know the chef's name but i know exactly who you're know exactly about. who i'm talking about yeah uh, no, i mean uh, graham uh, graham elliott graham elliott that's what it was, yeah. and the guy and he just came and you know jason kidd you know he's not a, not a terribly big guy but you know he's definitely gained some weight in his post playing career days and he just looked like really funny like waddling out there looked like graham Elliot running for Luca, holding him back amidst uh, Westbrook, but he he was able to secure him, and everybody held. You know, Reggie stepped up, uh, Tim stepped up, so they you know always saw to see everybody uh, vouching and um, really vying for you know their superstar player and Luca. Um, you would hope that they do that amidst how much he carries them. You know that used to be something that we were like very adamant about. That was like what we loved about this team, but you know amidst Luca being on this team for so many years, like that's expected now for those guys to step up and do that when your superstar gets in a scenario like that. So uh, more power to them. I'm glad that they were to quickly remediate that situation. Um, but, you know, obviously a very physical and rough overtime, but amidst both overtime periods, the Mavericks were able to outscore the Lakers 18 to 14. The offense definitely seemed like it had some new life um, brought into it. Christian Wood uh, really furthered um, his defensive abilities in those uh, overtime periods. Uh, where he, you know, he had done a solid job protecting the rim up, up until that point in the game, but he he almost tapped into a new level in that those overtime periods. So, you know, I want to get into that and just how the Mavericks offense was able to get out of, you know, that dead water that it was in the fourth quarter and, you know, was able to catalyze and possession after possession, they were actually able to generate, uh, you know, a semblance of shot making and a good pick and roll game. How were the Mavericks able to do that in the uh, that overtime period? How did the offense get going, Jaron? Yeah, so the Mavericks, you know, they were able to, I mean, really just dictate at the point of attack uh, in that overtime period. I don't really know if it was, you know, the Lakers being tired or what. Um, 
but kind of, you know, just outside of the gates uh, in that at least first overtime period, both teams, you know, it was, it was a struggle to score. Uh, but the Mavericks, their main source of offense was either Spencer Dinwiddie actually being assertive and attacking. Uh, he got an amazing poster on like two players. I think it was Troy Brown and uh, Wynion Gabriel. Um, and I mean, that was like, we hadn't seen that in a long time, probably since that Milwaukee game. Um, and it was really just nice to see him actually assertive. He did it one more time, uh, but that was in the second overtime period. But other than that, you know, uh, we saw the Spencer Dinwiddie takes. Uh, we also got to see Christian Wood just work his power down low, uh, whether it was w- with the pick and roll. Um, I know a few times he was just given the down low uh, and he had like a little fadeaway sort of like yeah. jump hook. He was giving the uh, business to, to Bryant and Gabriel at times, you know, despite yeah. them being very comparable in size to then Gabriel being like actually decent defender. I mean, he was just taking them into the post and, you know, whether it was fading over the top or being able to get a little hook over them and just dominating from that standpoint. I mean, something that, you know, we see him try to exercise against some of these, you know, both of those guys aren't necessarily like, you know, pure seven footers, you know, any, anytime you, Christian Wood gets matched up on a center that, you know, is comparable to his size, he does a great job taking advantage of that stuff. We only see the problems in terms of him being able to post up and seal guys when he's going against the Valanchunas's, the Steven Adams, yeah. any of those, you know, big, you know, giants and bead Jokic, he's going to bear some problems there just from a size perspective and strength perspective. But against a guy like Gabriel, like Christian Wood, you know, he's offensively skilled enough uh, to be able to take a guy like that into the post and finish over him. No, for sure. Uh, and that's exactly what Christian Wood did. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, outside of the pick pick and roll, like that's what is the bulk of his offense. I'm not even sure if he hit. I think he may have hit a three. He had two threes this game. Uh, but we really didn't see them after the second half. Um, they were like, yeah, I mean, and then, like pick and pops with Luca as well. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Um yeah, but, you know, in that overtime period, Luca was, uh, you know, getting some work down low. Uh, I know, I think it was like a minute 17 or it, 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 was, it was like a few seconds. It was like 40 seconds or 30 seconds left. Uh, I don't know if you want to look up the time on that. Yeah, uh, but he hit that like very timely step back three that tied the ball game back up to like, uh, I'm not sure what the score was at that point, but it's on the ball game back up. And basically uh, after that, it went into double overtime um, and the Mavericks just, you know, seemingly pulled away with the game. Um, in that second overtime period, it was like pretty much all Luka Doncic. I know Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, he had a bucket or two where, again, uh, get, being aggressive, he had like a layup and then one where he put it over Wynion Gabriel's head again. Um, but other than that, you know, it was really just Luka Doncic dictating the point of attack, getting uh, down low and just being, you know, how assertive he is on the inside the post, really what he was able to do in that second overtime period. Yeah, I, I mean, in, in scenarios where Luca's getting doubled, this has been something that I've been very adamant that I've wanted Spencer to do more so. Uh, something that he did very well and um, glowingly in these two overtime periods, right? Where when Luca's getting dr- uh, doubled and, you know, the Mavericks have to either consolidate and opt for the short roll and then try to make decisions out of that, whether that's, you know, Christian Wood at that point or Josh Green when he's healthy. Uh, then trying to find somebody in the dunker spot or then rotating over to try to find a shooter or, you know, just passing it on the wing to a wide open guy, things of that nature. But sometimes they're not able to find that guy in the short roll. Sometimes, uh, you know, whoever is able to, whether it's like whatever big is playing, um, maybe the Lakers double with one of their wings or their guards and that big is able to kind of stay back on Christian Wood. And it's just a harder, a, hard, a lot harder of an entry pass for Luca to make, you know, sometimes Luca will get it to Spencer and at that point, you know, Spencer can 
you know, the, basically the ball in his, is in his court at that point, um, figuratively speaking, of course, <laughs> like he can, he kind of dictates the offense at that point because, you know, the shot clock's got to a, a certain, you know, time where he, you know, he has to make a decision. And, you know, we see time and time again, a lot of this time, even in games, you know, where Luca isn't getting hard doubled or hard trapped or, you know, he's not necessarily getting like blitzed. It, it's, you know, the defense will collapse on him and he's going to get doubled, you know, once he starts driving regardless even if it's not a necessarily a, a blitz, quote unquote. And we see a lot of the time, like Spencer, when he's attacking off some of these closeouts, you know, he has a tendency to, I, I haven't really seen him go as full force and like full effect as much, right? He's getting to the rim, yes, but then he, you know, is posting up, which is very effective against smaller guards. You know, Spencer being like 6'6", six, six, he does a great job posting up against smaller guards. It's one of my favorite attributes about him. But even when he's going against some of these, you know, uh, bigger wings who are still light-footed and able to stay with him, you know, great defenders, things of that nature. Uh, Spencer's been having a tendency to still kind of like not, you know, I get trying to pace it and slow down at points, especially, you know, you don't want to get your shot blocked, things of that nature. But there, there are some times over like the last 10 or 15 games when I think Spencer just needs to go and he's deferring to uh, trying to post up and then either passing out of that or, you know, making the shot a little bit tougher than it could be. Uh, versus when, you know, even if he does get blocked, I don't know, he, he has a chance to get fouled, things of that nature. We saw him being a little more aggressive in terms of plays like this early in the season. I don't know, this could just be maybe some sort of weird uh, keen observation I'm having that may not be true for all of you guys watching as well on the screen, but me and Jaron talked about it as much last night. And I thought what was really good about Dinwiddie's game in this one, of course, you know, I'm not Obviously, the Lakers don't have some sort of all-star cast in terms of being able to close out. And, you know, they obviously have a pretty lackluster um, rotational defense, especially when they're, you know, throwing their best, like, two-point-of-attack defenders. Either, you know, probably bringing up Gabriel or, um, you know, Troy Brown Jr. Uh, in a double team on Luka. It's where he's just seeing all the limbs. You know, that basically relegates all their, re their uh, rim protection and their uh, perimeter defense that, is actually capable and competent that, that relegates it out to the three-point line. So I'm not saying Dinwiddie was facing like a plethora of resistance when he was doing these drives, but he did a great job of being much more assertive and uh, attacking the rim very hard. And that's, I, I think that that was a big sticking point for the Mavericks in terms of how they finished um, those overtime periods, um, whether he was, you know, attacking the rim hard. And even if the Lakers defense was running over, rotating over, he was able to dish it back out and, Mavericks offense was able to reset with Luca in a much more, um, you know, applicable scenario where things weren't as clustered together. And, you know, it may have been too late in the shot clock for the Lakers to really send a hard trap at that point. So I think that that was very key and it's something I'd like to see Spencer go do more going forward, just in terms of how assertive he was uh, attacking with, uh, you know, not a thought in his mind of slowing down. And I, no, I'm not saying that I want that from every possession, of course, like he still needs to pace himself and stuff, but, you know, just going at it, those two dunks that he had in those overtime periods were were emblematic of a guy who was just letting the canister loose. And um, those were some of my two favorite possessions of the game. Um, you know, like we said, um, to point to how the Mavericks finished in overtime, um, to be able to send that game to double overtime, of course. If we want to fast forward just after that Spencer possession that I just alluded to amidst that um, kind of elongated discussion, Spencer gets that dunk. Um, you know, right on top of winning Gabriel's head. Uh, winning Gabriel then comes back in vengeance with a pick and roll with LeBron and makes a uh, 
little uh, sort of floater ties the game back up. It's 105 all with 146 left. Um, it was actually an and one, and the winning Gabriel actually was fouled by Din- Dinwiddie, ironically, and made the free throw. Uh, so then the Lakers have the lead. They're up 106-105 with one minute 45 seconds left. Tim Hardaway Jr. misses a three. Mavericks are still down by one. Um, when they end up fouling LeBron, he makes two out of two free throws. Lakers are up by three. And then with 47.1 seconds left, Luka drains another step back jump shot, ties the game up. You know, just the Luka is tapping into being a penultimate clutch guy at this stage in the season. We, obviously, he's always been that guy. But he's been able to step up in a game like this after admittedly having kind of a rough go at it in terms of some of these clutch looks he's been taking. He's been asked to take a vast majority of the Mavericks clutch shots, uh, been asked to carry that burden almost completely. It's almost like the Mavericks don't even draw plays. And, uh, you know, if there's a make or break shot that they have to have, it's just basically go to Luca and hope for the best. He's had a few close calls. He's had a few really bad misses. Just talk about how important this is for Doncic. Uh, to be able to, you know, have the confidence going forward. I mean, I know I'm sure he wasn't like particularly rattled, um, but just talk about how important it is real, real quickly, Jaron, for him to be able to step up in the clutch like this after, you know, having some clutch time woes, admittedly, uh, just in terms of the last second shots he was taking earlier this season. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially if you look back at this game, I mean, he got pretty banged up. He got hit in the ribs uh, and that clearly took a huge toll on him for about two quarters. I think until really the fourth quarter is whenever he really recovered. Um, but you know, needless to say, I mean, just for a guy to go in there, um, what, I mean, what, if we got the ball with like 11 seconds left, this is to send the game into overtime with like 11 seconds left, he just drives down the court. And I mean, in five seconds, just totals out and makes a step back three casually, uh, and didn't even really celebrate too hard, but you know, for a guy that three pointer wise has not had his best clutch time moments this season, uh, to just really have two in one game, uh, is really just indicative of, you know, who he is, what he's been able to do this season. Uh, and especially, you know, throughout this game, he's been banged up. All, like I said, I mentioned before, um, he just went in there and did it. I mean, I don't even think it was really much of him settling for a three-point shot. It was just that's his confidence level. Yeah, so and then at the end of that overtime period, Christian Wood has a huge block on LeBron to be able to, you know, uh, honestly, like that was basically probably the best um, sort of stretch of the game for the Mavericks where Luka makes that three. LeBron comes down the court and misses the three. Reggie gets the rebound, then Tim misses the three. LeBron gets the rebound, and then I, I want you to talk about how key Christian Wood's block was, uh, what exactly went down there, and how the Mavericks were able to subsequently get the game to a second overtime. Yeah, so, um, you know, but I forget what it was, but the Lakers had like a five-second uh, five seconds to play with. Uh, they inbound it to LeBron, and LeBron, you know, one-on-one. I forget who was defending him initially. I think it was like Tim or maybe Reggie uh, was the initial defender on him. And he just seemingly blows past them. Um, and Christian Wood, you know, he tries to do a reverse layup uh, or at least get in the paint and bully ball. And LeBron way. could have easily like went up for a dunk, like right on the base. Could have, yeah. yeah, he very well could have. I think there was a help side defender. I, I think the Reggie, Reggie help side defended uh, and yeah. came up a little bit. And that's what forced him to like sort of rely on a reverse, reverse layup. But yeah, he, and, it almost looked like it's still like Reggie didn't come up enough if he really wanted to just yam. No, if, yeah, if LeBron yeah. really wanted to, I think he could have dunked over Reggie. But Needless to say, I think the Mavericks got a little lucky, but Christian Wood was off skill uh, in the way that he was able to. It was a clean block. This one was definitely clean um, on LeBron. And I mean, that was what sent it to double overtime. I know LeBron was flailing uh, and asking for a foul and, you know, saying he hit my wrist and everything. But if you look back at replay, it was all ball. Um, 
that's like the one no call that they got correct. Yes, and I mean that that impress that possession was like one of the more wildly impressive uh, mm. possessions in this game because we, there was obviously the stretch earlier where um, was it in overtime where Christian Wood had the uh, two blocks um, on Westbrook? That, yeah, on Westbrook. I think one was in regulation and then one was in overtime. They may have both been in overtime, but okay. Because yeah, no, I'm just having sort of a hard time recounting. Okay, no, no, no. It was in double overtime uh, where Christian Christian Wood blocks um, Westbrook's where he blocked his layup. Um, but the one where I, I was, I guess, alluding to the possession where Christian Wood had the two blocks on Westbrook, or not, not Westbrook, but he blocked LeBron from behind, and like the right before that, he got a block. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I believe that that was at the end of the fourth quarter. So, I mean, uh, needless to say, uh, obviously, we're having some trouble recounting this precisely. As that, That's called being a fan in the last, like, 10 minutes of the game. So. Yeah, uh, just due to the fact that, you know, this game was late last night, yesterday. But just Christian went having five blocks, all of them subsequently, at least four of them, to my recollection. Uh, one of the, you know, one possession where he got two blocks in a row. Uh, one, I think, where he, got, he caught LeBron from behind. Uh, I mean, and he blocked his shot in – over to, or overtime, of course, send it to double OT. Um, is expected, of course, that he stepped up against a very lackluster Lakers team that was losing out on a lot of bigs. But I mean, for him to do it to this degree uh, truly shows his improvement as a guy who's able to switch on to, you know, some threes and fours and those sort of smaller type guys and a guy who, when needed to, can rim protect in spurts. I mean, this is not something that he can be relied upon because we all obviously saw after that key uh, Westbrook block there at the end of double overtime, Christian Wood was, he got up a little shakily after one of those and he rolled his ankle. I mean, he's just, he's, he's, I don't want to call him brittle, but he's, he's a lot more frail compared to, of course, like a lot of these centers out there. And he just doesn't have the strength to continually hold up as, you know, your primary rim protector. But the fact that he's proving that he can do it in spurts and using his length to his advantage, I think is what I'm most impressed about. Cause when the Mavericks do, ever get some real rim protection next to him or when Maxi gets back, even if that's just the only um, sort of solution that they're going to have to that, it's going to serve him a lot well that he's really bought into the defensive scheme and he's defending at uh, such a high level just in terms of his rim protection and when he's getting switched on to uh, smaller offensive players. Yeah, for sure. I think this is the second or maybe even third five plus uh, block game that he's had this season. And I mean, just to be able to step back or step up, uh, whenever, of course, JaVale McGee, who's like our, our quote-unquote rim protector, is just such a bad basketball player. And then, you know, our only rim protector, Maxi Kluba, is out for almost the season. Um, for him to really just step up, embrace this role, and, you know, not be known as a, you know, shot blocker or a, a, a um, rim protector and just really, like, embrace the role. And, you know, I'm not saying he is a rim protector by any means, but he's really done an amazing job of, like, being that sort of substitute to whatever you want to call him right now. Um, but I mean, all props to him. This was a very good showcase of him just, you know, coming in there and filling a role that we need. No, hundred percent. And, uh, definitely carried over into the double overtime period. We already, already referenced his block on Westbrook. Um, but he had some key rebounds in that period where he got a offensive tip in, um, Luca did a good job attacking. Spencer did a good job attacking and the Mavericks were kind of able to just run away from it from there. Cause I mean, the only points the Lakers were able to score, um, and over in that double overtime period was a Westbrook three um, that was kind of conceded by the Mavericks as all of his threes, I think that he made uh, kind of were um, Troy Brown jr. Hit a mid range jump shot. 
Um, but, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, the Christian Wood, and Luka Doncic effect was just too much. And then the Mavericks basically got to play the free throw game, and they were able to run away with it. And I, I the game was actually 119 to 115. So I said at the top of the podcast, it was 118 to 115. But I stand corrected there, of course. Um, but nonetheless, the Mavericks were able to come away with a great clutch time victory just in terms of the, you know, we already highlighted the importance of this game just for the Mavericks to be able to win a game where they were clearly um, just out of sorts on both sides of the ball um, throughout stretches within that second and third quarter, obviously very wildly important and um, huge in terms of winning this ball game. But um, you know, there, there were some shortcomings as we, obviously alluded to and you know let's let's kind of go player by player here and um just really quickly you know we've already talked about a lot of these guys in the starting lineup of course like you don't want your starters to have to play 47 minutes that's obviously a huge amount of time um because every guy in our starting lineup played 47 minutes or longer so obviously that was um you know something that the Mavericks would you know, prefer to, you know, kind of serve without, without Jason Kidd having to do that. But amidst the short rotation, the Mavericks are sorely needing Finney Smith and Josh Green to get back just a couple more games, I guess. I mean, you hate to see the Mavericks expel this much energy into their starters. Who, who knows what kind of happens against Portland on Saturday, but, you know, you'd hope that, that maybe they could defer to some of their role players, but in a game where the Mavericks aren't able to take care of business, uh, this is typically the resultant where they have to kind of overexpel some of their role players. Um, so, you know, obviously we talked a lot about Luka Doncic, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, we didn't really talk too much about Tim Hardaway Jr., but he had a decent shooting game, was doing really good attacking and running out in transition. You know, he went three for 11 from three, um, obviously was his typical saloon door self on defense. But, I mean, he had an okay shooting game, did a good job attacking. I thought he was, uh, you know, actually being a capable offensive player despite having, you know, very up and down game uh, shooting the three. He was able to get to the rim and, you know, um, you know, pull up in that mid-range area when the Lakers kind of conceded, you know, to going under on the screen or chasing him over. And, you know, Tim has his little uh, dribble package where he's able to get into his mid-range jump shots. And he made a few jump shots from that. So it's nice to see a game where he's able to score 20, uh, 20 points or more. You know, he had 22 in this game where he wasn't just bombing from three. Um, but, you know, it's still, you know, all of his, what he did positively in this game was, you know, virtue of his offensive production. Um, and, you know, we already talked a lot, I think, about Christian Wood and Spencer and Luca. So I, I don't, we don't really need to harp too much on them. Uh, Reggie, another rough showing in this game. Jaron, what did you uh, take from his performance? You know, he made a, two, a couple threes. He got a lot of rebounds, as did Tim. You know, they both, Reggie had nine and Tim had eight, respectively. But you can kind of attribute that to the game going so long and there being so many missed shots in an overtime game like this. What did you have to make of uh, Reggie's game? You know, another game where he's, you know, he had a couple of good defensive possessions in there in the first half, but you de you definitely saw how he tailored off being the only the only wing out there. How he you know just kind of got dead legged at points. Another sort of up and down defensive game from him. Another very um, I don't I, I mean I'm not bad is the word, but just very like eh offensive game where he makes a few mediocre yeah mediocre yeah it just doesn't do much else than that. What did you have to make of that specifically? Yeah, so you know what Reggie was able to do, I definitely. In you know, mediocre words, uh, he didn't have the best offensive production. He was able to knock down a few threes. His complimentary one, uh, his first shot made kind of three that he always does. And then he, I think he was able to make one shortly after that. But after that, um, offensively, like after the first quarter, it just kind of disappeared. Uh, he went two for eight from the three-point line and two for eight from the field. 
he's able to get a foul uh, where he went one of two from the line. I want to say that was in like the third or second quarter. Uh, whenever it was like a foul streak that happened and Reggie was able to get on the line. And of course, you know, went one of two, he finished with seven points in this game and like nine rebounds. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he was able to be like really active on the glass, but any game where you're playing the Lakers, they're not the best shooting team. I mean, you kind of have to expect a, a, a guy that's playing 47 minutes. He better have over like five boards, um, especially in Reggie, you know, where we've seen him put up a lot of zero stat lines across the board. Um, so needless to say, he was at least able to produce, you know, on the rebounding category. I think this was probably his highest rebounding game this season. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, I just didn't, I mean, it's definitely a indicative of Reggie Bullock's season uh, where he's able to, you know, have like one uh, quote unquote hot, uh, hot uh, quarter and then just sort of disappear after that. And even his defense, you know, it was sort of mediocre. He had his glimpses here and there of, you know, solid defense, but shortly uh, it was, it was short lived to say the least. And I mean, to be honest, I wasn't all too impressed with, you know, with 47 minutes of production, I just wasn't really impressed. No. Yeah. I saw some, some people on Twitter, uh, denoted him the nickname cardio B just now because uh, you know he's just out there getting cardio so I thought that that was very funny I thought that that was about as a it's about a peak NBA Tom Fulgury as it gets right there um, and once again Davis Bertans came off in seven minutes off the bench and was a complete albatross of a player in general um, gave no defense and hit, attempted one three that he missed and uh, turned the ball over and had a Plus minus and minus eight, but it probably should have been minus 45 uh, just in terms of the eye test. I mean, he concedes almost. I mean, he can't play defense really at any level, whether it's letting a guy catch a ball and off a backdoor cut, uh, trying to rotate with a perimeter shooter, uh, trying to play man up on a guy. I mean, just all facets of defense. He just can't stay with anybody. I mean, he, he plays defense like he just he kind of has his like hands by his wayside. I mean, I, I know Davis like. Sure, he isn't the most insanely athletic guy on the planet, but I mean, he runs fast for, he looks like a big giant red deer out there sometimes. And he's, you know, 6'10". He's, he's kind of fast. He'd be running around those screens really fast, gets out in transition sometimes. You'd think that he could serve to, you know, at least get down. To, and I know he's not the strongest guy, but he could serve to get his hands down to defensive stats, stance and at least provide like a little bit of resistance at times, just in terms of his size and his foot speed. But, you know, that was nowhere to be found. You know, Dwight Powell benefited off those, you know, a couple possessions with Luca and Christian Wood in the short roll. Uh, had a solid game in terms of providing some minutes and filling in the gap in that double overtime period when Christian Wood uh, was kind of hampered by the injury at the tail end there and throughout the course of the game. Just provides some solid minutes, six points, four rebounds. Good game from him. Uh, Frank had some solid minutes. Honestly, would have liked to see more from him in this game because he got off to, like, a little hot start. He made a three and then had a nice little backdoor cut where he got a layup. And I honestly think he could have served to – get some more minutes in this game because he was playing some really good point of attack defense in the in a game where the Mavericks could have used uh, maybe, I know this sounds kind of outlandish, but they could have probably used putting Frank on LeBron a little bit more. So he probably would have defended him better than really anybody else on the team did. But uh, needless to say, uh, I, uh, I rest my case. He, he only got 12 minutes. Um, the Mavericks relied heavily on their starters kind of rode the whole way in this one. I wish Jason Kidd would have went to these guys a little bit more, but at the same time, you can make the argument that the Mavericks likely don't win this game if they do. Um, so it's kind of a, really uh, tricky domino effect there when you get into it uh, just in terms of how shorthanded the Mavericks are and how much it's limiting them when they get in these dog fights, they really can't alleviate any pressure from their starters unless they get up by a large margin. Jaden Hardy came in, he had an and one in transition. I really thought he was going to play more in this game. He only played six minutes, um, but he did have a few 
really bad turnovers and fouls, had some kind of dumb, costly rookie mistakes on a few possessions. But, you know, he was still playing hard and getting after it. I would have liked to see him a little more, even though it was a close game like this. But, you know, like I said, I rest my case again. It is what it is. Nobody else played on the Mavericks. Jaron, what did you see out of the Lakers tonight? Um, you know, obviously we kind of talked about LeBron James and Winyan Gabriel, who impressed, you know, in his ability as a uh, rim runner and um, a um, yeah, sort of like a defensive chess piece and his ability to sometimes switch on to smaller guys and be a, a weak side, you know, rim protector at times as a, as an undersized center. He, he looked pretty good having seen him for the second time. Uh, Thomas Bryant looked like he, you know, always been a kind of a decent offensive player in the short role, but has his limitations on defense. Um, but, you know, bar, barring that, uh, we didn't really get too much into everybody else. Uh, I think, you know, we, we got into Westbrook's impact in the first half a little bit, but, you know, Lakers had a very big rotation tonight. Um, what did you have to make of some of their point of attack players just in terms of how Westbrook, Nunn, uh, Schroeder, even Christie at times played in this game? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess I'll go top to bottom with Westbrook. I mean, you know, we already alluded to this multiple times this podcast, but uh, he was just able to really just attack the Mavericks' lack of defense. Uh, you know, whenever they refused to step up on him, he would either, you know, hit the three-point shot in which he went 50% in this game, or he would uh, just seemingly blow past the defenders. Didn't really matter who was on him. Um, he was able to finish with there were There were, points. like, well, it wasn't was hyper-efficient, I was going to say. I hate to interrupt you, but like, well, it wasn't a hyper efficient game. He did look like the Westbrook of old to an, to us an extent, you know. No, he did. He did. So, I mean, it, it was a great game from him. Um, you know, I thought Kendrick Nunn and Dennis Schroeder didn't have really the best game. They just had they were hard pressed to really be able to make any shots. But I uh, I don't know. I, I think the Lakers could use their their ball handling a little more. Like they I, they just don't have a lot of possessions where those guys are handling the ball at the point of attack like they almost defer to Westbrook to do that and relegate him to that role completely like I mean those guys are like competent point guards and they've had success in their careers at previous stops getting to the rim and applying pressure and being able to facilitate a little bit you know none I know is more kind of a score guy but you know Schroeder's been uh, always a fairly okay playmaker but I don't know they're they're kind of just using them as, as shooters to an extent like they're definitely not like secondary ball handlers, at least just from the eye test in this game. Maybe I haven't watched enough Lakers game, but it just seems like as if those guys are kind of just standing around at points and are just there to attack off closeouts and shoot the ball because of how limited their their shooting depth is. Yeah, they, they seemingly rely on Westbrook and LeBron to pretty much do the bulk of the, uh, I guess, ball handling. Other than that, um, I mean, Schroeder, you know, yeah, I, I could see him more as a ball handler in the squad, but they don't really use him as that. Uh, they're just kind of like a bailout guy. And even with Kendrick Nunn, the 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 possessions that Kendrick Nunn did get, I mean, he scored 12 points this game. I thought he was really effective against the Mavericks uh, in just 19 minutes. I thought he was really effective, as I said. Um, whenever he was the one, you know, using the ball, dribbling, uh, he was able to kind of be the kickout guys uh, or kickout guy in uh, some scenarios, and that's why you know he he shot and made three uh, three three point shots. Um, but other than that, you know, I I just don't really. I mean, they're just so depleted on like talent and uh, I guess just like ball handlers outside of LeBron and Russell Westbrook. Uh, and those guys create so much for themselves that it's hard to create for others. And I mean, I don't know. I, this team's just so depleted. Uh, Juan Descano Anderson came in. He played pretty good defense and then just disappeared after the second half. Didn't really see much of him. Uh, Max Christie, you know, he's a second round 19 year old um, rookie, you know, in 29 minutes, he had seven points. He honestly looked pretty effective. Yeah, uh, he, he, he looks just, promising. Like, just yeah, he, no, he, he looks, looks like a guy who 
has the ability not just to be like a really good like shooter in this league one day, you know, but if he if he adds some strength and develops on the defensive end and he's already got a little bit of a you know offensive uh sort of savvy to him where he's he's pretty decent at attacking off of closeouts and running in transition. You know, I don't think he quite has like the full on ball handling thing there. But I mean he he might be a decent player one day. Um I really I was in kind of intrigued what I saw from him saw from him in you know 29 minutes. I thought he played good but they're just asking so much for a guy like JTA or Max Christie to be able to start and play those kind of minutes for them. And I mean, it, it is kind of sad, but you know, the Lakers third and fourth best players tonight were like pretty definitively winning Gabriel and Troy Brown jr. And uh, uh, it just showed, it kind of goes to show their roster and it is kind of an indictment upon the Mavericks, even a shorthand as the Mavericks are that they let this game slip away like this. But, you know, like we said, a win is a win. And just happy to escape on a national televised game on TNT against the Lakers. Um, I'd be remiss to say that it wasn't a very fun game, you know, that with the in the fashion that the Mavericks won in double overtime. But you, you'd rather save your starters the minutes and the mental headache of having to go through a game like this as the Mavericks continue this road trip on the West Coast. And they're matched up against Portland at 9 p.m. on Saturday. Um, you know, another late game. We'll see how. Jason Kidd ops in terms of, you know, maybe if one of the, yeah, I know it's on the back-to-back, but if one of those guys, you know, has to rest them, it's a huge heavy dosage of minutes for the starters tonight. We'll see if the Mavericks get back any of their guys on this road trip and uh, on this road trip and Josh Green and Dorian Finney-Smith. Of course, Maxi Cleaver is going to remain out with that hamstring tear, but the Mavericks are really depleted right now. And even amidst, you know, all these, you know, wins um, that they're kind of pulling out there against pretty weak opponents, and they're just barely surviving right now. And I'm happy they're surviving, but they are they sorely need to, to get some of these role players back or, you know, go one or two more games. Even if, you know, you get Josh back and Dorian still out, like, um, I just don't, I think this team has a shelf life in terms of how much production they're going to be able to um, expel onto the court. Because, I mean, Luca's having games where he's getting depleted and still just laying it all out on the table. Like, I just don't know how much longer this, this Mavericks team is going to be able to continually persist with this um, sort of style at the moment. But I mean, I guess we'll see as we go forward, Jaron, um, do you have any lasting thoughts maybe in terms of how badly the Mavericks need to get some of these role players back or anything before we end the podcast? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm hoping uh, on this Portland trip that, you know, Josh Green comes back. And as you said, you know, just, just even Josh Green will help dramatically in terms of this team and how depleted they are defensively and offensively. No, 100%. So we're ho- we're hoping for that because this team is merely surviving right now. Like we said, we're happy they got the win. They're surviving. But, you know, something needs to change, whether that's just those guys coming back from injuries or, you know, just finding a way to get these starters more rest because, you know, if the Mavericks are going to actually make a run at the playoffs or just getting into the playoffs this year. And who knows how far they'll go, of course. But, you know, they were very much burnt out last year come the Western Conference Finals. It's looking to be even worse this year. <laughs> so this is a, definitely an issue they're going to have to attend to, but that'll wrap it up for today. I'm glad that they got a fun overtime victory. 119 to 115. The Mavericks went in double overtime versus the Lakers. I mean, it's a very nice clutch time performance by Luka Doncic and Christian Wood. Um, not really a, much else to get into. Great game. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs. Subscribe to us and follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever listening platform that you listen on. Or if you're watching rather than listening, on YouTube. Um, and for those of you that don't know, we're on YouTube now, of course, mainstream mouse podcast, look us up or, um, you know, go to our link tree in our Twitter, Twitter bio, which you can find our YouTube, you know, we're posting these podcasts in video format now, um, for everybody to see. So if that's your method of choice, make sure to like and comment and subscribe on the video. 
comment anything you enjoyed about the podcast or about the game last night. We'll respond to you, get back at you, hit you up on YouTube. And of course, you know, like the video and subscribe helps us out a lot. We appreciate you guys listening slash watching us, and we will catch you guys in the next one after Saturday night against Portland. Bye-bye.